sing as one my land, my for this country we're walking on my land, my we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand program may contain traces of irony, sarcasm, satire, parody, mockery, banter, caricature, and nuts. The opinions expressed are almost certainly not shared by self-appointed officious dictatorial wowsers. If you are dangerously irony deficient or allergic to mockery of the self-important and corrupt, then get a life. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get a life, or at least to stand up for all life on planet Earth. That is our home where uh, we got we got no options but to stay and make the best of it together. So here I am, I'm Sean O'Shaughnessy, and this is Environmental As Anything. Thanks for being with me again. I try to bring you all the news, interviews, and analysis I can cram into the brief time that we have together each week. As always, I'm very thankful to the sovereign people of this Bunjalung nation where we live and work. Uh, This land uh, remains their property, and uh, we are very fortunate that they have taken such good care of it until we've arrived and they have been so understanding of our uh, culture's uh, dysfunctionality up till now. So uh, sorry for the mess and we're doing our best to clean it up and thank you to the Widgibal Weibel people here uh, where I live and work in the Northern Rivers. My name is Meg Nielsen, and I'm talking this morning with Tim Buckley. Uh, Good morning, Tim. How are you? Morning, Meg. I'm actually very excited by the uh, amazing technology developments that are going on globally. So great to be on with you again today. Oh, this is great. This is just what we need, some really good news. Yes, and uh, I mean, you obviously need to get your head out of the Australian political context to have anything positive to say, but uh, global <laughs> developments are moving forward. So uh, that's why I focus globally. It's too depressing listening to the uh, ridiculous stupidity coming out of Canberra. Isn't it? It's just unbelievable. You, you, you think, have they heard of the climate conference? Have they heard of the IPCC reports? Um, do they listen to the, you know, the, the various energy authorities throughout the world? It's, um, it's bizarre, isn't it? It is criminal. It is ridiculous. I mean, these people are meant to be elected to represent their local communities and do what is in the nation's best interest, but all they're doing is squabbling, backstabbing each other, snouts in the trough. It is, yeah, I think it's criminal, and that's why it's really important. We have the voices of the independence movement coming along to just challenge the two-party system that's been absolutely entrenched and uh, is eroding our democracy but let's not have a political debate let's talk about the energy transition (laughs) because that's far more uplifting it certainly is so come on tim tell us the good news right well i'll start with an australian development which uh, it was it just it happened uh well aemo reported uh sorry the australian energy market operator the uh, group that drives the integrated system plan, the forward planning for the Australian electricity market and keeps the grid um, operating so our lights are on, uh, notwithstanding Angus Taylor and his energy policy chaos. So they put out a report (laughs) highlighting in the uh, fourth quarter of 2021, there was an all-time record high negative spot pricing events for 16.6% of all energy dispatches across the national electricity market. Now, to put that in English, 
16% of the time, electricity prices were negative, were, uh, in other words, people were being, or consumers were being paid to take electricity because there was too much electricity being generated across the wind, solar and thermal power generation of Australia. And to me, I mean, that is a uh, tripling of um, uh, events, this occurrence happening. Now, why is that so important? Because whenever it is really sunny, the power prices go negative, right? So rather than Angus Taylor constantly telling us renewables aren't reliable, they're really costly to consumers. In fact, all of the evidence from AEMO, from the Australian Energy Market Operator, which reports to Angus Taylor, shows that electricity prices are going down, 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 and wind and solar are driving that price reduction. And so that then enables the second massive trend that's come through, which uh, was highlighted in the Australian press this morning or yesterday, and that is that battery capacity in Australia on grid Utility-scale battery capacity is going to double within the next couple of months, and uh, Australia is a world leader in deploying grid-scale batteries to ensure grid reliability, to ensure decarbonisation and ensure lower cost to consumers, Uh, all of the things that Angus Taylor is fighting tooth and nail to stop, um, and it's happening anyway because investors see the inevitability of this technology transition. They see the opportunities to deploy massive amounts of new investment to drive a better service at lower cost and with less, less emissions to the consumers of Australia. So the transition is happening, it's accelerating, and Australia is amazingly right at the forefront of that global trend despite our federal government. So there are actually a lot of positive things happening, and I think 2022, we will see that absolutely accelerate. That's brilliant. And, and and thank you, because this is what we have to be focusing on, isn't it? it uh, you know, you get so depressed when you hear the constant... Um, you can't even call it greenwashing, can you? You get weasel words of uh, the federal government, the likes of Morrison, Angus Taylor and Tim what, uh, Wilson, is it? Yeah, Tim Wilson. Yeah, whatever um, his name is. <laughs> yeah, whatever his name Let's is. Let's hope yeah. we don't have to hear from him. I know, yes. You know, it can be so depressing because, you you know, we know, especially me in my position, having, you know, talking to you and Giles Parkinson, we know how things are going um, without, um, you know, and, and, and yet they keep coming up with this stuff. And I feel so sorry for, you know, the, the average person in the street um, who doesn't perhaps tap into uh, the truth, you know, presenters like yourself or uh, analysts like yourself and and see exactly how blatantly these people are lying in order to support the fossil fuel industry for just that bit longer, you know. It's unbelievable. It is criminal. I mean, yes. it's the corruption of our democracy by vested interests that you and I talk about all the time but looking and as you say it's really important we actually are armed with the truth as to what's actually happening people can make their own informed views Mm. when they actually hear the information but I'm just I'm still I think one of the most exciting announcements in 2022 was the uh, it was a Scottish development two weeks ago three weeks ago where Scott the Scottish government tended out 25,000 megawatts of offshore wind capacity, and they were 
absolutely flooded with global investors demanding that they have the opportunity to invest $75 billion in new offshore wind off Scotland. Now, Scotland's got, it's like Tasmania, it's got some of the best wind resources in the world, mm. as we probably all know. Yeah, and so 25 mm. gigawatts. Now, to put that in context, that's about half of the Australian national grid capacity. Good and Lord. investors, they didn't require subsidies. So the whole argument that renewables require subsidies is crap. They actually paid a collective £700 million to the Scottish government to have the right to develop massive, massive new investments. So massive jobs, massive technology development, massive new investment and massive decarbonisation of the UK economy as a result. And I just look at that sort of initiative and go, why is it Australia, and I mean, the federal government is still trying to build literally the last new coal-fired power plant Indeed. in the world up at Collinsville. They're subsidising a $4 billion white elephant stranded asset, the last new coal power plant to be built in the developed world. And who's standing behind that? It's Scott Morrison, Angus Taylor and his Luddite mates. And the tr snouts are in the trough yeah. and it is just ridiculous and uh, there was another development this week which has got me really excited. Uh, your listeners, sorry for the uh, in advance for the uh, um, technical detail, but I'm watching the... Right, we've heard about, okay, it's quite easy now. It's accepted now that you can decarbonise the electricity grid. That's the easy sector to decarbonise. Let's do it. Like the Labor, um, uh, Albanese has promised an 82% reduction in emissions in the Australian grid by 2030. So it's very easy to do now. It's accepted, but People go, oh, heavy industry, really hard to decarbonise. Now, I'm going to call crap on that as well because we've just had three announcements in the last two weeks from European heavy industry leaders talking about massive, massive pull forward of their decarbonisation efforts. So, excuse the pronunciation, but SSAB of Sweden, so Sweden's biggest steel company, announced that they're phasing out 100% of their blast furnaces by 2030. They were moving to 100% decarbonised steel production by 2030, 15 years ahead of their previously announced target. 15 years. They've pulled it forward from 2045 to 2030, and they've said this will be great for in new investment, new employment, new exports for green steel for Sweden, and that will reduce Sweden's total emissions by 10%, just that one development. And then it was followed last week by Slasiger of Germany. Sorry, pronunciation. Um, they've just announced they're phasing out all three of their high-emissions blast furnaces by 2033. And then last night, ArcelorMittal said that they were going to phase out um, three of their five French blast furnaces by 2030, which means a mat like a 40% reduction in their emissions intensity of steel within eight years. Now, by the way, that means there will be no use of coking coal in any of those new facilities by 2030. Now, remind your listeners, coking coal is Australia's second largest export commodity behind iron ore. We export $50 billion a year of coking coal, and that's three European leaders saying that they will no longer be using coking coal at all in the 2030s, within a decade. So to me, that is how fast the uh, uh, global...
global decarbonisation trends are accelerating. Three massive European announcements, all driven by the EU policy to decarbonise and the EU emissions trading mechanism hit an all-time record high yesterday, 95 euros a tonne for carbon. So if you want to pollute carbon emissions in Europe, you have to pay 95 uh, 95 euros, so dollars a tonne. Now, that price signal is driving the corporates to decarbonise all of the things people said couldn't be done and now being embraced and the opportunities are accelerating. So I just find that staggeringly bullish. Isn't it? My goodness. That, that's just a, that's wonderful news. And, you know, all this could be ours. If only we had a government all who would it, embrace these things. Correct. All of this will be ours once we get rid of the Luddites. But the reality yeah. is finance is moving. Corporates are moving. Like Rio Tinto had been dragging the chain for the last decade on decarbonisation, saying oh, it's all too hard. They obviously started talking to their customers, realised their customers are moving, mm. started talking to their shareholders, realised their shareholders were moving. And so Rio came out with a massive decarbonisation target uplift. They, they're talking about a 50% decarbonisation by 2030. So a global laggard becomes a global leader with the announcement two months ago of a 50% reduction. And that comes back to global finance. And it's a point that I think the Morrison government totally misses that most Australian listed companies are majority foreign owned. They're Mm. answerable to their shareholders. And those shareholders are demanding a clear, accelerated path to net zero emissions with interim 2030 targets and uh, when I was reading this week, the Climate Action 100 Group has grown to 600 investors managing $65 trillion collectively of assets. Now, the Climate Action 100 is all about committing to 1.5 degrees. It's all about committing to net zero by 2050. It's all about having an aggressive, clear, doable interim target by 2030. And so every time BHP CEO, Rio CEO... Blue Scope CEO goes and talks to their investors. They hear consistently the message, where's your plan? Where's your target? Where's your interim roadmaps? And are you ahead of schedule? And if the answer is no, even global laggards like Vanguard last month came out and said, we will vote against individual directors who are unable to enunciate a clear accelerated path to decarbonisation. Now, Vanguard put a caveat on it. We won't do it till next year. We'll give the Luddites one more year. But that's how fast the momentum's moving. And so when Scott Morrison says, oh, it's all too expensive, and Barnaby Joyce says, oh, the cost of action is too expensive, (laughs) obviously he's bullshitting as he always does, (laughs) and it's the cost of inaction that's going to cost all of us. But the reality is those same CEOs that listen to our federal government just ignore them because their investors are saying, if you want to stay in your job, you have to deliver a path to decarbonisation. You've got to embrace the future not hold on to the past. They just need to be swept aside, don't they? They're, they're just, um, you know, trying to put up roadblocks all the time and, uh, of course, they they can't withstand that international um, move that uh, that you're describing. Um, we're a tiny player, as, uh, as Morrison is often looking to uh, promote us as, you know, less than, what's it, 1.4% of the world or something. Um, but... Uh, you know, we have, they have to know that we are part of the world and we have to, uh, we have to plan accordingly. 
And I think it's really important we stay optimistic. It's really important we realise that this is war. We have to save our planet for our future generations. We have to actually get the vested interests out of Canberra and we have to push our companies, our community leaders, our governments at all levels and uh, and the finance industry and to collectively solve this growing global climate crisis. Now, I don't want to underestimate the magnitude of the challenge in terms of the, the climate crisis. We know it's getting worse and worse and it's going to continue to do so, but what I really want to inspire you with is that there is a huge amount of optimism, there is a huge amount of momentum. We have to win this war and it is going to happen and technology deflation finance and collective global action is going to drive it so it's really important we all demand that of all of our leaders at the local level at the state level and at the federal level and we do everything to engage them push them or remove them if they're roadblocks to the future so it's critical and uh, i'm bullish as you know but uh a lot of work needs to be done, and the great news is it's happening offshore, and Australia is going to be a key beneficiary. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yep, I agree. It is a war, and uh, we all have to take up arms on this one, um, fight any way we can, and, as you say, sweep aside the, uh, you know, the deniers. Uh, we need action. We need good, honest representation in Canberra. And uh, thanks once again, Tim. Really appreciate you talking today. I'll be after you again soon, and uh, <laughs> I look forward to talking very soon with you. Wonderful. Thanks, Meg. Take care. And you too. Bye. Now, as I say, this is, uh, this is another of our absolute stars. Um, my goodness. Tim Buckley. Eight years with uh, AIFA. And uh, now he's uh, got a, a climate think tank, um, which is Australian-based climate energy finance. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Environmental As Anything podcast. Uh, I'll be bringing them to you as regularly as I can. If you'd like to tune in to more of this kind of uh, material, uh, there's plenty of episodes available. You can subscribe to our podcast. And while you're there, you might as well rate it and help uh, spread the word by sharing it on social media if you can. We're on social media, of course, on Facebook particularly. You can find us anywhere you look for environmental as anything. And if you're really keen to see the show carry on, please do go and support us on Patreon. Again, you can find us by just searching environmental as anything Patreon. Thank you for your support. Be gentle with yourselves. Be kind to each other. And remember, we are all in this together. Uh -huh.